Welcome to the Issues of Life podcast with Dr. David Shamenda. Well, this is uh, 16, right? 16. Praise God for part 16 on Choose Deliverance on his Issues of Life. Huh. Now, as I've been talking, I've been asking so many questions in uh, when do we love the world too much as children of God? And I think if you're following this podcast, it's going to help you. And the reason why I'm saying this, I'm trying to broaden the subject and uh, have you to catch everywhere. And I'm even going to come at one point where I'm going to speak about how can be free. Because I've prayed for people who are demon-possessed, and I've seen them completely delivered of demon possession. I've prayed for people who have cancer, and I've seen them receive the healing from cancer. I've prayed for people who have kidney failures. I have seen God restore them. I had an opportunity to pray for a man who was half-dead, and God brought them back to life. So <clears throat> I'm sharing these things not because I have the power, Oh, but I'm, as God gives me the grace, you know, now, now I wanted to clarify this. There's also people that I've prayed who have not received the healing. I don't know why, <laughs> and I can't answer that question, but I've seen God performing miracles. Now, on choose the deliverance, uh, <clears throat> I want to bring you to understand this subject. Very. When do we love the world too much as children of God. Well, there are three elements of worldly life. Love of pressure, love of knowledge, love of power. All those, they compound into bring destruction to someone. What is the meaning of the phrase desire of the fresh? It is the desire that we naturally have to gratify our lower impulses, that animal nature that we share with the savage, but with which in man ought to be under the control of the superior faculty of reason. All right? If we name this desire from its object rather than its origin and or source, we might call it loosely the desire of pressure and controlled by a sense of duty. It is more difficult to ascertain the exact force of the desire of eyes. If taken literally, it would stand for a particular form of the desire for the fresh, a more refined and human form of sensual pressure and the last of foreseeing beautiful object. Still, I'm inclined to think that. So far as this is sensual, it is included under the former head, and that is more, it is more by Hebrew ideas and with the facts of life to suppose that we have here a print distinct class of desires, the desires of intellect. But <clears throat> how it may be asked, can 
the thirst for knowledge be condemned as characteristic of the world. Yeah, learning is not dependent on society like pressure. And the desire for the knowledge is especially commended in the Bible. How then can it be to discredit the world or make its influence more dangerous if the thirst for knowledge accompanies it? <laughs> Isn't those are bigger questions? I'm asking questions that I think, you know, when you listen to this podcast, it you know, it comes in your mind. So I try to answer to the best of my knowledge so that I can help you as uh, you navigate through life. The answer is that neither pressure nor knowledge is condemned in the Bible. As we have seen, the joy charged in the phrase, lust of the flesh, is selfish and predominantly sensual and checked by higher thoughts and feelings. All right? <clears throat> and so, by the desire of the eyes, is not the desire for truth as such, but the desire for the knowledge of the world. Knowledge as con contrasted, not with ignorance and stupidity, but with simplicity and innocence. All right? So, ingenuineness is somewhere in there where people there they use the knowledge you know to bully others but the knowledge of god in fact there's even one of the gifts one of the gifts of god i think it lines and uh, the words of wisdom the words of knowledge and uh, i think the interpretation of uh, tongues uh, according to the pentecostal circles <clears throat> so we see these things if you go to the gifts, the nine gifts that are given in the book of First Corinthians. There, you you find that. Now, I wanted to to uh, and uh, classify this and uh, underline this to a point whereby I want you to see the importance of what is going on. So, how many how many all they are for? to an impatience of restraint and a curiosity attracted to evil rather than good. So, here again, I'm asking these questions that as you listen, and maybe you're taking notes, is going to help you to understand who you are. How few remember that knowledge, no more than pressure, can claim our absolute allegiance? We now come to the third of these worldly last as they are styled in the epistle to Titus, and the pride, or as the revised version has it, the vain glory of life, the desire to make a show, the lust of honor and distinction, which is as naturally characteristic of the active principle within us as the desire of pleasure is of the passive or sensitive Sensitivity called. Now, here's something that I wanted to say. You remember the children of uh, in Babel one time when they wanted to build the towers and they say, we want to be next door to God. <laughs> you know, uh, these guys, they were so sensitive that they wanted to hang around together, live together, do everything together, and they didn't want to be dispersed. 
And then God looked at them. He says, their knowledge has more than increased. And he dispersed them. They're all languages. That's why today we have all kinds of languages. Some speaks English. Some speaks Portuguese. Some speaks Arabic, Hebrew, Lamaic. Some speaks African language. And some speaks all kinds of languages that are around the world. Why? It's because when they were divided, they couldn't... You know, when their language was confounded, they couldn't hear each other. So I would assume, let me paraphrase, maybe someone is saying, give me, you know, that, you know, brick there. I want to lay in the brick and says, I don't understand what you say. Maybe someone said, bring a bag of cement. And I don't understand what you're saying. So they, their language was confounded because they wanted to think they are, more wise and knowledgeable than God, and God confounded them. Now, I want to show you something. Supposing this to be a generally correct account of John's analysis of the spirit of the world, it is evident that it corresponds with the standard division of man's nature into the feeling, the thinking, and the willing part. The desire for pleasure corresponding to the appetites, the lust of knowledge to the intellect, while ambition, the desire of honor and power corresponds to the will. But a human life consists of exercising these different elements of man's nature. How is it possible then that these gifts of God should be the source of evil in the world? Okay. Let me help you to understand here. Are you following me? This would not be the case if men were perfect as God intended it. His various impulses would all work harmoniously under the control of reason and the conscience, enlightened and guided by the Spirit of God. But we know that whatever we may hope, for the future, this is far from the case, okay? At present, every impulse is a source of danger <laughs> because it is not satisfied with doing the work and attaining the end for which it was implanted in our nature, but continues to argue as on where its action is dangerous, antagonistic to a higher rights and the higher activities, and the contrary to the will of him who made us. And him who made us, I'm talking about God, our creator, Jehovah, the provider, God who created the heaven and the earth. In the soul, several times, we take this part of knowledge and it blinds us, you know, to where we are created, and then we are puffed up with proud. You know, I had uh, someone, you know, a friend that I knew, and uh, education puffed him up. He was not a humble that God gave him this education. And uh, everything, he was looking down on everybody. He would say, oh, man, I got a, this education. I don't believe in God. And I don't believe what men may say, you know, things like mocking. And then I says, my friend, God has given each and every one of us different kinds of portions. 
And those portions that God has given us, don't look down on those that doesn't have. There's something that can complement what you have and what God bless you. So for you to mock others is to mock God who created them. You know, God is a God of diversity. And he enjoys to see how he created us as his children. Some they are tall, some they are medium height, some they are short, and some they are big, some they are small. But we are all created in God and created by God's hand. And it's not for us to go around and mock others and call them. Now, the spirit of offense will always make us think, well, I don't care what another person thinks, you know. Uh, you know, it's up to them. You know, I'm, uh, you know, I'm look at myself. You know, I, I know, you know, I had a family member who used to walk around and sometimes tell people, he says, I'm handsome. I'm more than everybody else. You know, you look at me. You see, you see the true creation of God. And probably according to his own eyes, he was handsome. And praise God, praise be to God. But there are some people who never looked at him like that. And there are some people who looked at him like that. But the point is to thank God of who we are. You know, the Bible tells us we are fearfully and wonderfully made, created in the sight of God. It is these blinds and lurid impulses that constitute the spirit of the world and are employed by him who is described as the prince of the world. Who is him? The devil. I'm talking the devil. The devil always tried to distort our nature, our characteristic, our mind, and everything that we do. To bind men together in evil and to so build up a kingdom of, of the world in opposition to the kingdom of God. So, you see, the knowledge of the devil is to divide you, to question God, and to put you against God. This is what the devil did in the Garden of Eden. He went to Eve and asked, he says, Ha! Did God say, don't eat this fruit? He says, you know why he's told you not to eat this food? It's because the day when you eat this, you are going to be more wise than God. Now, the devil always knows how to question the will of God, knows how to mock the things of God. And if you're not wise, you can fall trap. Find out something. It can be riches if it's getting you out of the will of God, if it's using magic, gimmicks, if it's using, you know, palm reading, if it's using um, things like fortune telling, you know, or stargazing, or all kinds of magic. It's not of God. It's the, wisdom, it's the knowledge of the enemy. And the knowledge of the enemy, anything that comes fast and quick, is not of God. God is patient his own time, and he, nobody can rush him. If someone is trying to do something to make you feel what you are doing is from him, I would rather wait for the blessings of God rather than 
follow what man is saying because when man tells you you know you have to sacrifice this you have to sit under this tree you have to see this magician you know like these days there's a lot of witchcraft that we even read you know uh there's this hey that can make you to do this and you know you drink it it's going to help you well you may say David, what about when you go to the hospital, they give you the medication? It's prescribed, it's agreed, scientists, they have gone through it, and it's the knowledge. But if they even give you more than, like even some of these sleeping things, like propofol, you know, you get yourself messed up, you end up dying. So they have a certain way how they can sedate you to sleep and to wake up. But anything that is done without the knowledge of man kills you. Now, my friends, choose deliverance from the evil one and the devil. The Bible tells us very clearly why it's important to choose deliverance. For anyone to receive true deliverance, you don't need to give any room to the devil. Now, <laughs> this is what the Bible also tried to tell us in Ephesians chapter 4. 4 verse 27 says, give no opportunity to the devil. Ha, man, that's awesome. Give no opportunity. That means don't even open a slide door to the devil. Anything that you open, slide, you know, it's going to destroy you. The devil strives to gain mastery over man. He comes into actual contact with us, even against our will. He studies our character. So you think you know yourself better. There's some forces that are studying you. That's why I encourage you not to forsake the assembling of the brethren, not to forsake going to church, not to forsake to meet other people, not to forsake, you know, to seek those who have the knowledge of God, not forsake to open yourself to men and the women of God so that you can be helped. It's very important. Don't give your place to the devil. He is dangerous for your well-being. So, choose deliverance from the spirit of offense. Choose deliverance from diseases. Choose deliverance from any sickness. Choose deliverance from anything that has bound you. You are in bondage. You are in the prison of the devil. You know, I'm preaching at the, sometimes I've preached in the prison and I've told people in the prison that, you're here behind the bars, but there are people outside there who are more behind the bars than you are. You're here, your privilege has been taken away from you. But there are people that have no privilege, but they are free outside there. The devil strives to gain mastery over men. He comes into actual contact with us, even against our will. He studies our character. So it's important. Our dread Spiritual adversary has his wiles and stratagems. He watches his victims, acquaints himself with his constitutional infirmities. Tempers is one of the things that the devil watches you. He sees your infirmities, he sees your tempers, he sees your appetites, and he sees your propensities. And then constructs his assaults accordingly in his collusion of foyship 
His tenor resolves to conquer. Man is to overcome the devil. He has the meditation of Christ and the help of the Holy Spirit. And in 17, we're going 17, I'll be sharing the two mighty forces that how you can be distracted, you know, by the enemy. Praise be to God. Shalom. Watch out and listen to part 17 on how to receive deliverance. Shalom. Thank you for listening to the Issues of Life podcast with Dr. David Shamenda. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review and subscribe to the podcast to be notified when new episodes are released.